2 Kings chapter 15 tonight, beginning in verse 8, if you remember from last week's lesson, as we go through 2 Kings, <clears throat> at one time in the Holy Scriptures, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles were all one book, I'm told. We um, closed last week uh, looking at the tribe of Judah, which is always the southern tribe. They had a little bit of Benjamin that stayed with them. If you'll remember, there was a division, the northern tribes. Um, when Solomon died, his son Rehoboam took the throne, and Jeroboam rose up and caused the people to go astray. Of course, it was from God. Listen to me. It was from God. It wasn't something that they just made up. God was bringing the punishment that he promised Solomon for walking away from him and sinning against him. And he said, I won't do it because you've repented, Solomon. I'll do it when you die. And so he divided the kingdoms. Listen, God chastises. He's, we're seeing that in these texts. We're seeing God chastise a nation. And this week we're going to look at as the first remnant, the first part of the, the northern kingdom actually goes into captivity. It's going to happen like in three phases in the next uh, chapter 15, 29 through 17, 41 to the end of that. They were going to see the northern tribes go into captivity. God is going to chastise his people because they would not repent. They would not turn. He kept sending them prophecies. In fact, as we start tonight, we're going to see that Hosea, we're going to see that Hosea and Isaiah, you could go to Isaiah 1-1 and Hosea 1-1, and you would see right at the end of Jeroboam II, we have uh, uh, Jotham and Zechariah, and that's where they begin their ministry at. And Hosea is actually really amazing about that because he is actually, God tells him to go marry a harlot. He said, and, and, and see what I'm going through here. You know, and that's basically what it was. It becomes a type of how people were treating God even though he continued to deliver, continued to deliver, continued to have mercy, continued to have grace, continued to love them, and then finally he brings about his chastisement upon the northern tribes. And we're going to start seeing that for the next couple chapters. And it's going to take about another 100 years before Judah, the southern tribe, actually goes into captivity fully, uh, which, is, which is quite amazing because they've been trying and trying, if you've been with us long, I, I've been comparing it to the church today. How there's an apostate church. And how there's a church that, that actually could be the remnant. And they are living for God, but they keep trying to make peace with an apostate church. They keep trying to be friends with them. And they keep trying to dream, bring unity in that. And you can't bring unity in an apostate person. If they wake up, they can come back to you. But you can't go to them because they're going to drag you into their apostasy. They're going to drag you into their side of the argument, and it's not godly. So be very careful what you're doing. God can wake them up. Live your life, and don't have fellowship with people that are apostate and living in the world. You might lightly salt them or something or pray for them to awake, but be very careful that they don't pull you in to what's going on with them because that's typically what happens. I don't know if you've ever heard about it where the student was talking about uh, – uh, Probably what's called evangelistic dating, where, where we always, you know, somebody says, oh, I'm dating so-and-so. Are they saved? No, they don't, but I, I think they're close. And so the teacher, and, I, and, and the teacher stood up in a chair and said, um, or told the girl to stand up in a chair and said, pull me up in the chair with you. And she tried and tried. I mean, he's, he's a 200-pound man. And she can't pull him up in that chair, but he just barely pulled and she fell out of the chair. And that's what it, that's all it takes. It's really easy to get pulled back into what your flesh really likes. But how about getting drawn near to God? How about beating the flesh into subjection? How about being crucified with Christ? How about not waiting for him to chastise us, but surrendering today and begging him to give us grace and mercy to repent and to be led by his spirit. Because as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the children of God. 
and we want to be children of God, little born-again ones that are being led into all truth, led into all righteousness, led into the places we need to be. Uh, it's, it's so heart-wrenching to hear about people that have thought that they were called to a ministry. They go to the ministry, you hear about them a year later, and they've been destroyed by the devil because God never told them to go do that ministry. It was just their good idea. It was just something they thought they should be doing. It's something they made up because they were disgruntled or, or something was going on in their life and they no longer wanted to be underneath the authority of the local church. So they make up their own little ministry and then they're destroyed because they're out there on their own without the body of Christ and without the spirit of God. And they become a Jonah. And when they're regurgitated up on the, on the, uh, uh, the sand of the beach, they get mad at God like God did something wrong when it was actually them walking away from God instead of being led by his spirit. So we always end up blaming God when he's the one going, don't go there. Listen, be led by my spirit. Come here. I want to love you. I want to train you. I want to teach you. I want you to follow me and learn to be like me so when you go to others, you can share my great love with them. You can share my son with them like I did when I sent him from heaven to die for you. I shared my son completely with you, and he gave every bit of himself. So don't wait for chastisement. That's what we're going to see now. As God does it with a nation, he also does it with people. When we look into the New Testament, we see that Paul says that these things are written as examples. They're examples for us of what God's doing. His character doesn't change. His nature doesn't change. His authority is not changing. No matter what good idea you come up with or good plan or good thing, you, the only plan there is is to draw near and to trust in Jesus' blood and then to be led by the Spirit into sanctification so that one day we can be glorified with glorification and be in his presence forever. Anything else is running out of his hand. And when you turn to this, you're turning from God. When you turn to that, you're turning from God. Be sure the Spirit of God is leading you. Don't go running around kicking in doors and making up things to do for God. You'd be better off just sharing the love of God with others by, by sharing your faith, by being a witness in your lifestyle, by being faithful to your spouse, by taking care of your children. By, by laying your life down a living sacrifice. That's Christ. That's Christ. So as we come into this, we see the end of, remember, who was it? Uzziah? Azariah? Last week? What happened? He, he didn't keep his lane. He didn't just follow God and do what God had called him to do. God made him king. And what did he do? He tried to be a priest also. And he wanted to go in and burn incense. And even though the priests were going, no, Uzziah, no. He got mad at them. And then God, leprosy broke out on his forehead instantly. And see, leprosy is a type of evil in the church or a type of sin. It separates you. He had to be, for the, for the rest of his life, he was separated in his own house, away from the palace. And his son, Jotham, reigned in his place. And they were co-reigning there in verse 7 when we left and then he ended up but God's grace and mercy think about this for a minute God could have killed him God could have just killed him would that have been fair if God just kills us for our sin yeah. it'd be fair but because of his grace and his mercy and his love for us he allows him to reign the longest of any king 52 years he was on the throne. And that was in Judah, in praise, in the tribe that Jesus is going to come from. That was in Judah, the one that is still supposedly following God. But the, what's their epitaph? They would not take down the high places. They followed as their father did, but they would not take down the high places. We'll get to that in a minute. So let's look at verse 8, 15, 8. We're going to go back to um, the northern tribes. We're getting ready to see number 17, king number 17, 18, and 19 tonight. Guess what? 19 was it. Hosea. 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 And it means salvation. 
He was the last king of the northern tribes as they get taken away by Assyria. In the 38th year of Azariah, king of Judah, so he's the king in the southern tribes, Zechariah, remember what Zechariah means? God remembers. God remembers is what it means. Jehovah remembers or Yah has remembered. Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam, and that was Jeroboam the second. See, Jeroboam the first was the first king of the northern tribes. And then they came back to this name again. What does Jeroboam mean? Anybody remember yet? That the people contend. The people will contend. The people will contend against who? God. The people will strive against God. They will rebel against God. And that's exactly what the entire tribe was doing. Ten and a half of them that went and followed Rehoboam. They were contending with God, rebelling against God. They knew very well not to worship golden calves. They knew they were supposed to go back to Jerusalem three times a year, all adult males. And yet, with the prophets coming, Isaiah, Hosea, Amos, they all came and preached to them, repent, return. We'll see that. I don't know if we see that tonight. We see it in chapter 17, verse 13. Yet the Lord testified against Israel, against Judah, by all his prophets, every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all of my law, and I, as I commanded your fathers, which I sent to you by the servants and the prophets. Nevertheless, you would not hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So here we go. Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam II, reigned over Israel, northern tribes, in Samaria six months. Listen to me. Woo! Go Judah, 52 years. Got a little leprosy. Got some issues. Son is reigning with him to do the royal palace. But here we got Zechariah. God remembers it's six months. And what happened, Greg? Verse 9. He did evil in the sight of the Lord as his fathers had done. Here's a testimony of his life. He's done evil in the sight of the Lord. You might think, did they see that? Wait a minute. God's seen that. God doesn't wink at sin. God is, is, is pleading with us to turn from our sin. He wants to train us and teach us and sanctify us so that we don't practice sin. The power and the penalty is gone. And now he wants to take away the practice. And soon, and very soon, when we go to see the king, he'll take us out of the presence of sin. why it's important listen to me our sin affects others our witness affects others how we live in apostasy how we live out loud affects others because think about this Zechariah is doing as his fathers had done he's doing what he sees other Christians around him do or other people that are supposedly following God do and that's why it's important that people see us not just doing what everybody's doing culturally in apostasy but they see something different in our lives, and the difference is because of Jesus. The difference because we're being led by the Spirit of God. The difference is because we know the Word of God. And you're not going to be led away if you begin to get into the Word of God and you draw near with a pure heart. He did not depart. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made... Israel sin. See that again? See the blame that Jeroboam gets? He made Israel sin. Well, Greg, how did he do that? Didn't the people get to choose by themselves? They're following their leader. Their leader says, here's your golden calves. Here's what has been set up. Here's what brought you out of Egypt. Here's where you should worship at. The, you know, he's the king. See, you've got to be very careful with leaders. You think just because somebody's a leader that you should do everything that they're doing. Be careful if it's not following Jesus. If it doesn't line up with scriptures, they could be making you to sin. They could be making you to go into apostasy. I had a young man. Well, he wasn't young. He was older than me. But he said, I said something about Joel Osteen. He said, well, he must be doing something right. He's filling up that stadium. And I said, really? 
I said, broad is the way to destruction, and many go there, but narrow is the way to life, and few find it, few enter in. Just because somebody has a large building and a large following does not make them right. Listen to me. Be very careful that it lines up. This is the most important thing is the word of God. And the spirit of God will lead you in the word of God. The spirit of God will teach you the word of God. The spirit of God will give you remembrance of the word of God. The spirit of God will take everything about Jesus and make it known to you. The spirit of God, what is the fruit? It is love. And it looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we can see and we can witness what it's like to be living for God and be a child of God that's being led by the Spirit of God. Is a life changing to look like God? Love is not tolerance. Love is not tolerating. If love was tolerating, God would have stayed in heaven. He would have never came and died for us. If it was tolerating sin, if it was tolerating ignoring the word of God, yet the devil wants us to tolerate. <clears throat> oh, yes, we speak the truth in love with the spirit of God. Because of the spirit of God, because of the blood of Jesus, we go and tell people the truth. That's love. But they want to shut us down. Disinformation. Really? Death culture is what it is. Be careful. Who are you making to sin? By your witness, by your testimony. By you continuing to stay someplace that you should not be, you can make somebody else sin. By you continuing to be silent, you could be making somebody else sin because they go, well, I know that Greg's a Christian and he does that. Could I be making somebody sin? If it's wrong, it's wrong. Oh, yeah, at the end of the day, you're going to be accountable for your own sin. And that's why it's a personal relationship. But don't ever leave out the fact that we witness, that we are living. We, we might be the only letter that people read. So, who made Israel sin? Verse 9, verse 10. Then, Shalom... I don't know how to say it. Shalom. Shalom. Okay. Uh, it means retribution. It means retribution. Well, what does retribution mean? Glad you asked. It means payment. It means reward. It means compensation. In the New Testament, it means wages. Shalom, the son of Jabesh, means dry. There ain't no spirit here anymore. It's dry. It's desert conspired against they had a compact they got a league together and they struck and killed him in front of the people and he reigned in his place listen shalom or shalom however you're going to pronounce it. it's not shalom because that would be peace shalom look at this right in front of the people how treacherous is this and he kills them in front of everybody and he reigns in his place he shows Zechariah, he only he only reigned on the throne for six months. And then this, God raised up this dude just to kill him, allowed him to strike him. Now listen, God didn't, God, God's not a murderer, but he knew what this guy was going to do. And it's really, again, we'll see that he had already told Jehu, he had already prophesied to Jehu in 2 Kings 10 30 and 31, that only four generations of your family is going to sit on the throne in this apostate nation. Because Jehu, remember, he went way beyond what God said. Oh, well, let's just look at it. It's uh, 2 Kings 10. When God raised up Jehu, uh, where is it, 10? When Jehu killed Joram, he killed both kings, north and southern tribes. And then he kept going, 1030. And the Lord said to Jehu, because you have done well in doing what is right in my sight and have done to the house of Ahab. He, kept, he was raised up against the house of Ahab. All that was in my heart, your son shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. But look at this. Jehu was doing what? 
But Jehu, verse 31, took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord of God of Israel with all of his heart, for he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam who had made Israel sin. Once again, we can depart. We can turn. We can draw near to God. So this is what's being taken care of. Retribution. God is raising up someone whose very name means retribution. Here's the compensation because you didn't walk after God. But I told you you could have four generations. Now the rest of the acts of Zechariah, indeed they are written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel. This was the word of the Lord which he spoke to Jehu, saying, Your son shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. Of course, we just look at that. While Amos and Hosea and all of them were prophesying, they continued not to turn. And God is chastising. Listen, God doesn't want to kill us. God will take us to the spiritual woodshed, though, and spank our butts. I don't know when that time comes for you. I don't know when that time comes for me. I don't know when that time comes for this nation. But I, I, I personally believe this nation is under chastisement right now. When God allows leaders that are not even leading. When God allows kings that are after our own heart. See, we, we can look at it and go, well, look what they're doing. Well, look what we're doing. What are we doing? Are we leading? Are we vocal in our communities? Are we sharing Jesus? Are we being witnesses? Then why would we expect our leaders to do anything if we're not speaking up? We're silenced. Okay, so what did Shalom do? Shalom, retribution, <laughs> Salem's nickname is, he's called in, in ancient writings, the son of nobody. Really? Who? He's the son of nobody. Because he wasn't the son of nobody. He was just somebody that was there and rose up in front of the people and just killed the king because he didn't like him. Son of nobody. He became king in the 39th year of Uzziah. Remember, Uzziah was on uh, the southern tribe for 52 years, Azariah king of Judah, and he reigned a full month. Look how treacherous, look how murderous, look how wicked, look how evil this nation has become, the, the, the northern tribes. We call it Israel. That's birthday. Closer. closer and closer. A few verses away. He reigns a full, I wrote wow in my Bible. This guy killed somebody that, that was only in, in, in kingship for six months, and then he only lasted a month. And what happened, Greg? 14, for Menahem, the son of Gadi, went up from Terzah, came to Samaria, and struck Shalom, the son of Jabesh, in Samaria, and killed him, and he reigned in his place. Just kill anybody. Anybody can rule. What about God's authority? What about who God has appointed? You're just going to kill anybody and take over? If you get, get, Listen to me. Listen to me. When you ignore the word of God, when you ignore the truth of God, when you ignore the, the, the uh, uh, provision for the sin nature of God, Jesus the Christ, and you say, I can do anything I want, you're killing the authority in your life. You're killing the king. You're saying no to the king. You're just stepping up and going, ah, I'm going to kill the king. Don't want to hear it. Cut his head off. That's what we do in our lives. I don't want to hear truth. I don't want to hear that. I'm just going to kill the king. But we look at these people and go, look how wicked they were. But we'll kill the king. Anytime we want to go on in our sin, anytime we want to chase something, anytime we want to do something that the Bible would say, thou shalt not, or the Holy Spirit would say, oh, 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 let's back off. We just kill the king. Let's just kill the king. Listen to me. Menahem means comforter. Really? Menahem means comforter. I couldn't believe that. He's the son of fortunate. Gaddy means fortunate. And he's from Terza. Is that where he went to Terza? Went up from Terza, which means favorable. Now here's the, uh, uh, the comforter who's fortunate and favorable with a conspiracy 
No, he kills after a month in office. A full month. Wait a minute. It was a full month. It was a full month. Wasn't a half a month. It was a full month, right? Uh-huh. And they killed him. Now, who knows? Maybe he was mad at him for killing the other king. I don't know. But it's getting really evil fast. We see it in our culture, don't we? One minute hero, next minute zero. We see it in our culture. One minute they're praising a guy, the next minute they're, they're saying, kill him, cut his head off. Death culture, he doesn't deserve that. Get rid of him. Really? When we base it on one thing that a person does instead of their whole life, when we base it on one thing, when we base it on our own fickle emotions, when we don't have any absolutes, and everything is shifting and moving, it's easy to kill somebody with our fickle emotions. And guess what? Jesus takes it into a big place for us. If you hate someone when in your heart, you've committed murder. If you just hate them, I hate them. I don't know why they ever... That's murder. That's not Christ-like. God is life, and we're following death. God is life, and he's given us life, and he wants us to follow his spirit. And we're following death culture. We get caught up in this stuff that's going on in our country and in our world. Instead of remembering we're supposed to be sharing Jesus, we believe the lies of the media. We believe the lies of what's going around on, the, on Facebook. We believe the lies of all the stuff that's going on, and we take sides. I'm on nobody's side but Jesus's. I'm joining Jesus. It's the only foundation that's standing. It's the only one that's unchanging. Man, one month. Just kills him and reigns in his place. What treachery. What wickedness. And then we get this. Verse 15. Now the rest of the acts. Really? Think about that. The acts. Isn't that what we've done to God's word? We killed it. You guys remember this? What was the original title of the book of Acts in the New Testament? The Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. That was the original title. And we've got it all the way down. You look at your Bible, it says the Acts. We leave the Holy Spirit out. A form of godliness which leaves out the Spirit of God. We've got to get back to listening to what the Spirit of God is saying. We've got to get back to being people who are led by the Spirit of God if we're going to call ourselves the children of God. We've got to be concerned about who we're following. We can't just go with every polluted well that's going by, every spirit that's in the world tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We want to understand that it's the acts of the Holy Spirit through the church through the apostles the rest of the acts of Shalom retribution and the conspiracy which he led joined together and got in the league with indeed they are written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel then from Terza Minahan attacked Tipsha really that's crossover that's ford, like when you ford a river and you cross over it. That's what tipsa means, to ford a river. All who were there and its territory, then from Terza, Menahem attacked Tipsha. So he went over and attacked, still killing, all who were there in his territory because they did not surrender. So since they didn't surrender to his way of life, and to him being king, therefore he attacked it. And all the women there who were with child, he ripped open. Wake up, people. I mean, I can keep correlating this to our modern day culture. We're trying to pass a bill in California that you can kill babies after they're out of the womb. Think about this, people. And this guy is king. He's taken over. He killed somebody that's been, who had killed somebody else six months. He, he was there for a full month, and then he killed him. And then he just went ahead and attacked some other people in another territory, forded the river. He went across the waters. What water are you drinking? 
what, what are you crossing thinking it's okay? And he rips these, you know, now listen, that's something that secular nations would do. Other foreign armies would do, but not God's people. Not people that say we're still following God, even though the northern tribes were apostate. But look how far down the reprobate ladder you can go. Not just murder, but now let's rip women open. And, and they used to do it to kill the, the male children so that there would be nobody raised up. But they're just ripping them over. What what evil, what evil the northern kingdom has went to. And God allowed this before he chastises them. He keeps sending them prophets. He keeps sending truth. He keeps sending the word of God to them. He keeps telling them to turn. There's messengers the whole time. When you go read the prophets, you see they've been, they've been telling these kings, turn. Remember, we've seen Elisha and Elijah. We've seen both of them come to Jezebel and Ahab. They're all the northern kingdom. Turn. God loves you. I, 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 I don't know. I put evil right next to this. Where he ripped all the women there who were with child, he ripped open. How horrible, how brutal, how evil. I don't even know what to say. These are the people of God. You know, there's lots of people that are people of God that think it's okay to do abortions. There's lots of people that will tell you that they, they love God and, and Jesus is their Savior, but they're out killing babies. And they say it's women's rights. What about the baby's rights? It is simply just not a woman's right to go to go get pregnant and then kill the baby. They're going to have God to deal with. And that's why our nation, more than anything, that's why our nation is under judgment right now. And I know people go, oh, we're not under judgment. Really? Just reaping what you sow is under judgment. But the amount of babies we're killing... And the places we're going, we're paying for it in other countries, other nations. And God forgives. That's the, the thing you want to remember. God will forgive. If we would repent, God would forgive us. But we know that we're not going to repent. 17. In the 39th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Mahanaim, the son of Gadi, became king over Israel and reigned 10 years in Samaria. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart all his days from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. There it is again. I actually um, looked it up, and it's 23 times. It's 39 times in the Bible, but 23 times just in First and Second Kings, this epitaph of the northern tribes. 23 times. It's interesting because there's only 20 kings, or 19 kings, but it's interesting that there's only 19 kings. And it's said 23 times. Um, amazing. What a testimony. Listen, here's the other testimony. Let's look at the other side of it. Their sin, their wickedness, their, their treachery. Their murderous hearts, their, their apostasy. They're ignoring God, and God doesn't kill them. That's pretty amazing. That God would have mercy, that God would be long-suffering, that God would wait for them to repent before he ends up sending them into captivity. And then he doesn't kill them. He's wanting to bring them back. He's wanting, I'll bring you back. And he takes them back. Even now today, he's got a future work with Israel. Even now today. He's going to finish with them. Verse 19. Pool. 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 I don't know. It means distinguishing. Uh, That's how they spell Paul in Hebrew before they put an A in it. Pool. <laughs> That's funny right there. Uh, it's his throne name, actually. Uh, he's got two names. We're going to see that. Well, we don't see it until uh, over in verse 29 when it actually, the captivity happens. 
But this is his um, king name of Assyria, his throne name for Assyria, but his real name is Tiglath-Pilzer III. His real name is Tiglath-Pilzer III, and, and, and that's his Roman name. I believe that's what that was. No, that's his real name. This pull is his throne name uh, for Assyria. It means a distinguishing. Assyria means... Uh, can't read my own writing, people. Step. I don't know. Can't read it. Sorry. You can look it up later. He's the king of Assyria, and he came against the land. And what happened to what the king do? And Mahanehan gave Pool a thousand talents of silver that his hand might be with him to strengthen the kingdom under his control. Well, where do you get a thousand talents of silver? That's three and three quarter ton of silver. Listen, that's how much money that was. Three and three quarter, almost four tons of silver. He gives to the king of Syria, and he becomes his slave or vassal. He becomes someone under their control that he might help him control the kingdom and strengthen his hand. Listen, here's where he got it at, verse 20. Mahanehem, uh, which means comforter, exacted the money from Israel from all the very wealthy. From each man 50 shekels of silver to give to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria turned back and did not stay there in the land. Just go out there and take it from the wealthy. Just take it from all the wealthy people. We, we were told that, weren't we? That that's what kings would do. Kings would take, 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 take. And that's what you do is you just keep taking. Buy yourself out of bondage. Now the rest of the acts of Menahem and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? So Menahem rested with his fathers. Then Pekahiah, Pekahiah, his son reigned in his place. So he went to sleep with his fathers. Notice again that we talked about this. The northern kingdom, when they die, they go to sleep, they rested. But in the southern tribe of Judah, they're buried with their fathers in Jerusalem. God is still giving them honor in their burial. He's still putting them in the tombs with the rest of the kings. These, they just slept. They're dead with the fathers. They don't get a royal burial. They're usually buried in Samaria or uh, one of those areas. 23. In the 15th year of Azariah, Azariah means God is my strength. Is that right? Jehovah has helped. Jehovah has helped. King of Judah, Pekahilah, I love these names. Pekahiah, which means Jehovah sees. Yah has observed. Listen, God sees everything. Here he goes. Pekahiah, the son of Menahem, became king over Israel and Samaria, and he reigned two years. What did he do, Greg? And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the sons of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. Worshiping the golden calves, ignoring the prophets, living according to the world. 25. Then Pekah, here we have Pekahiah, which means Jehovah sees. Then Pekah, which means watched or opened. The son of Remaliah. See, you'd have thought it was Pekahiah's son, right? No relation. Then Pekah, the son of Remaliah, 
protected by Jehovah, an officer of his conspired against him and killed him in Samaria in the citadel of the king's house, along with Argob and Ari, and with him were 50 men of Gilead. He killed him and reigned in his place. So now we have king after king after king being killed and killed and killed. They're not just dying, but the, the murderous, <clears throat> wicked, evil people are starting to just kill off the leaders and kill them off and let's somebody else lead. Let's just kill them. So two years, he made it two years, so that's pretty good for the last three. 17th king made it two years. Oh no, yeah, Pekahiah was uh, the 18th king. Um, and so one of the officers with Argob, which means stony or heap of clods, heap of clods, and area or era, which means lion, and 50 men of Gilead. Gilead means, uh, oh, it's a Gileonites. It's just a, uh, Ben is the word there, uh, Gileonites. They killed him and reigned in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Pekaniah and all that he did, indeed they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the King of Israel. Know anything about them? No loyalty here. Lots of murder. There's no loyal people in these reigns. None. No loyalty whatsoever. It's all evil. Evil taskmasters and all of them dying quickly. Evil deaths. In the 52nd year, here it is. This is uh, how the book of Isaiah opens up in Amos. In the 52nd year of Azariah, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, king of Judah, Pekah, the son of Remaliah, became king over Israel and Samaria and reigned 20 years. Wow. Maybe he did good. Oh, no. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the people will contend, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. Verse 29, in the days of Pekah, king of Israel, Tilglath-Pilzer, Pilzer, king of Assyria, came and took Ijon, or it's probably Yon, Ijon, Ijon, which means ruin, Abel Beth Macca, which means meadow of Beth Macca, Janoa, Janoa, Yanoa, he rests or quiet, Kadesh, sanctum or holy place, Hazar, castle or village, Gilead, once again, a rocky region, and Galilee, means the circle. In Greek, in the New Testament, it means the heathen circle. So they must have became heathens by the time they got to the Greek. Oh, I don't know. Uh, all the land of Naphtali. Remember Naphtali, my wrestling? The sixth son of Jacob. Born from Bela, the second son from Bela. But uh, he was the sixth son of Naphtali. Wrestling. I've wrestled in one. And he carried them away captive. Notice they left. This is the first part of the Assyrian captivity. He carried these nations, these people, these lands uh, away captive to Assyria. And then here's our last king. Then Hoshea. Hoshea, which means deliverer or salvation. The son of Elah, which means an oak reigned in his place in the 20th year of Jotham, the son of Uzziah. Remember, Jotham is reigning with Uzziah, co-reigning. Uzziah has leprosies. He's in another house. He can't actually rule over the house with the royalty. So in the 20th year of Jotham ruling as co-reigning with his dad, uh, this happens. The first of the tribes are led away, probably rings in their noses, naked. Listen, listen. Listen, I've got it here someplace. Where do I have it at? 
O captive. Is that it? Can't find it. It must be in another place. Uh, but it means led away naked, nude, exposed. That's what they would do. They'd cut their garments off. They'd put ring in their nose and they'd lead them away naked, embarrassed, humiliated before everybody to show that you were taken and dominated and, and a prisoner. Now the rest of the Acts of Pekah and all that he did, indeed, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? Now this is the first part. Let's look at it in Chronicles. Let's look at it in 1 Chronicles 5. I want to talk about it, and we'll come back and close up um, with Judah again here in a minute. But in 1 Chronicles 5, 23, now if you read 1 Chronicles 5, all of it, you're going to see about the family of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Listen to me. Very important that you understand this. Big lessons when we see the land being handed out, the inheritance being given who was it that was uh, Reuben was, listen, Reuben was the firstborn, right? Mm -hmm. Reuben was Jacob's firstborn. Gad was also a firstborn. Gad was the firstborn. He's the seventh child of Jacob, but he was the firstborn of his concubine Zilpah Leah's maid Zilpah firstborn so you get the firstborn of the Reubenites firstborn of Jacob the firstborn of the Gadites the seventh child and then um, Manasseh the firstborn of Joseph all three of these are firstborn right remember Manasseh what's it mean it means uh, forgetful or causing to forget Remember, there's Joseph down in Egypt, sold into slavery. His first child, when he was given a bride from Egypt, is Manasseh. So he forgets the second one is Ithrim, which means fruitful. He began to have fruit in the land. Watch this, 23, 523, First Chronicles. So the children, so the children of the half-tribe of Manasseh dwelt in the land. Their numbers increased from Basham to Bel Hermon, that is to Sinor, Mount Hermon. These were the heads of their father's houses, Ephor, Isha, Eliel, Azrael, Jeremiah, Hodiva, Jadil. Listen to their testimony. They were mighty men of valor, famous men, and heads of their father's houses. Isn't that amazing? What's the next line, though? And they were unfaithful to God and their father, the God of their fathers. And they played the harlot after the gods of the people of the land, whom God destroyed before them. Well, what happened, Greg? So the God of Israel stirred up the spirit, the breath, the courage of Pul, king of Assyria, that is Tiglath-Pilziar, king of Assyria. He carried away the Reubenites, the firstborn of Jacob, the Gadites, the seventhborn or the firstborn of Zilpah, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, the firstborn of Joseph. He carried them away into captivity. Here it is. The word, listen to this. Listen, this is so strange. This word is gala in the Hebrew, G-A-L-A. But it means stripped naked, nude, disgraceful, uncovered. Think about that when we're having a gala. We're having a fun time. That's what's happening. Nude and naked, open before God, our souls living the way we want instead of coming underneath the authority of God. He leads them away into bondage. He took them to Hela Habahara and the river of Gozan to this day. What about, why do I tell you that? Remember who Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh are? Listen to me. They're going into the land. Let's go take the land. Wait a minute. Uh, Moses. Or excuse me, Joseph, we'd like this land on this side of the Jordan. We don't want to cross over. We like this land over here. And they're a type of worldly Christian. They're a type of Christian that wants to stay over here, but say they trust God. And what did they say? Wait a minute, you can't just stay over here while we go in and fight. They said, you know what? We'll go in and help fight until you take the land, and then we'll come back across, and we'll live on this side of the Jordan. 
But what happens when you live in the world? What happens when you don't know the word of God? What happens when you're over here, Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh? You're the first ones to go into captivity. You're the first one to be defeated. You're the first one that the enemy comes to because it's so easy to get you when you don't know the word of God, when you're not being led by the spirit of God. You're not learning the truth of God. You're not doing what you should be doing in the land. It's so easy to be taken away captive first. That's what we see happening here. They're the first ones to go. They didn't cross over the Jordan. They didn't cross over into the promised land. They didn't descend into the, that's what Jordan means, descender. They didn't go into where God wanted them to go. And they said, we'll be okay here, but we still believe, we still worship, we still trust. And they went back across the Jordan that God had given them and back into the land that they had been delivered out of. And that's where they lived at. Where are you living at? Are you living in the word of God, being led by the spirit of God? It's going to make sense in a minute. We're going to look at um, Jotham and his testimony and how he prepared his heart. Have you crossed over? Are you entered in? Are you resting in the Lord Jesus? Are you learning the word of God? Are you being led by the spirit of God? Are you confessing your sin? Oh, listen, all of us, God loves us. Listen, just because he hasn't reached down and hit you with a ball bat, just because he doesn't reach down and take us away captive, just because we still see the examples that he's long-suffering and loving and kind and merciful, but there's also going to be a day that he judges. There's also a day that he chastises. And even in his chastisement, he's so loving. You ever been to the woodshed? Oh, it hurts, but it doesn't hurt near quite like we could have make it hurt. It's not what we deserve. The wages of sin is death. And yet Christ took our death for us. He took our curse for us. He took everything for us. Let's go back to our text. 1532, we'll try to close up here. In the second year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, so in the second year that he was, so it would be right near the end because he only lasted two years, right? Jotham, the son of Uzziah, Azariah, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. It would be 41 when he died. His mother's name was Jerusha. Jerusha, which means possessed or dispossessor. The daughter of Zadok, Zadok means just and righteous. And 34, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Now listen, we've seen the start of the captivity, Assyrian captivity of the northern tribes. It's going to be about 100 years before Judah actually goes into captivity, I think is what uh, I understand it to be. And we're still seeing that their kings are doing what's right in the sight of the Lord. We're still seeing uh, the, the, that they're possessing the land and trying to do the right thing. Zadok means righteous or just. But what does it say there at the end of that line? He did according to all that his father Uzziah had done. Wait a minute, Uzziah started off well and he rose up good and then he got full of himself and he went into the temple and tried to burn some incense and lost his place lost his and said are you get away from me priest and leprosy broke out on his forehead so he started well uh, i think he did much better though i think this is a good testimony of jotham let's see what jotham means 
Jonathan means Jehovah is perfect. Jonathan means Jehovah is perfect. His mother's name was Possessor. His, his grandpa's name was Righteous. <clears throat> Interesting names, huh? 35. However, remember the epitaph of the southern tribe. The high places were not removed. So what happened when they don't remove the high places, when we don't tear them down, we don't humble ourselves, we don't tell the people the truth, they still sacrifice and burn incense on the high places where they ought not to be. But he did even worse, though. He went and built some up the upper gate of the house of the Lord. Oh, I guess that's not bad. He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord, the high gate. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? We can see them, and we're going to go see them. It's, you can turn there, Second Chronicles 27. In those days, the Lord began to send Rezin, king of Syria. Rezin, king of Syria, he's firm. He began to send firmness. And Pekah, the son of Remaleah, against Judah. So here comes Syria starting to attack. Rezin, it's a firm attack. So Jotham rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. His father, then Ahaz, his son, reigned in his place. We're going to see he was an evil king. They began to become just like the northern. They've been trying to marry to him. And they're just really going to, going to become just like him. Ahaz means possessor. Look at 27, small chapter. We'll get out of here. It's not a real long chapter. Second Chronicles 27. I don't even have it marked, do I? Do I? 26 was Uzziah. 27, I do have it marked. Jotham. They say that, you know, 41, he died at 41, and they took a good king early because the people didn't deserve such a good king that was helping redo the temple and things. And that's just something that people say. 40 is the number of judgment, and he died after one year of that because God's going to bring judgment upon Judah also. Jotham was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha. we already seen this, the daughter of Zadok. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Uzziah had done. Listen to parentheses. Although he did not enter the temple of the Lord, but still the people acted corruptly. The people acted in ruin and decay. They cast off restraint. They were lewd. And they were living um, in their own Selves, their own sin, their own lifestyles, instead of following the king when the king was doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. Now, I don't know. You can look at this in parentheses, although he did not enter the temple of the Lord. I think that even though he, the next line says he built the upper gate of the house of the Lord, I, I wonder if he did not think, I'm not even going in there. My, my dad went in there and he got leprosy right on his forehead. He crossed the doorway. I don't know what happened here. I don't know if it's even something. Maybe he's talking about that, he, that Uzziah no longer entered the temple of the Lord. Uh, but it looks to me like that it's saying that Jotham did never go into the temple of the Lord, but he was a good king. He didn't go into the building, is what it says. But he still, the people acted corruptly. He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord, and he built extensively on the wall of Ophel, and so we see him, his works. Moreover, he built cities in the mountains of Judah. And in the forest, he built fortresses and towers. So he's setting up ramparts. He's protecting. He also fought with the king of the Ammonites and defeated them. So God's given him victory. And the people of Ammon gave him, gave him in that year 100 talents of silver, 10,000 cores of wheat, 10,000 uh, of barley, so they give him a lot of tribute. The people of Ammon paid this to him in the second and third years also. So for, for two or three years, uh, he reigned 16 years. 
Now think about it. The Ammonites were some of the people that were on the other side of the Jordan that Assyria just took. So he's trying to gain some of the land back that's on the other side. The Ammonites were on that side. Uh, that some of the, uh, uh, I believe that's true. Um, hopefully I'm not telling you something that's not true. I think that's where the Ammonites lived. But notice how all this was going on. Verse 6. So Jotham became mighty. Well, how did he become mighty? Because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. Listen, listen. How did this king and all of this corruption, northern tribes are beginning to be taken captive by Assyria. How did the king and the southern tribe uh, continue to have victory, continue to build fortresses, continue to do what was right? He's not entering the temple and then the people are acting corruptly and not following his witness, but he becomes mighty, rules 16 years because he prepared his ways. It means to stand. It means to have faithfulness. Didn't we talk about what happened before and what was it with the Reubenites? Did I forget to say that unfaithful in, uh, in this is First Chronicles 525 unfaithful in the King James was transgressed they transgressed against the God of their fathers not just unfaithful listen the only thing God has called you and I to do is to be faithful not to continue to practice transgressions against him sorry I didn't mean to make you do a bunch of sword drills but I remembered I was supposed to tie those two together the unfaithfulness of the northern kingdom and the tribes that were living on the wrong side of the Jordan, and then the faithfulness of the southern kingdom, and the king who's preparing his heart, preparing the, his ways before the Lord. He's standing, he's faithful, he makes provision for the Lord. It, it means to fashion, or to firm, or to fix his heart, to fix his ways, and, and I would tell you to get into the word, prayer, and fellowship, to, to be led by the Spirit of God, to prepare your way, Jesus is the way. Are you looking for the way? Are you looking to be led by the Spirit of God into all truth? Are you looking, not to be mighty, but to do mighty exploits for God because of the Spirit of God, because of the Word of God? And, and listen, it's mighty to go out and tell somebody about Jesus. That's all we're called to do is go and make disciples, to go and teach others, to go and tell. We're not called to build big big uh, uh, buildings. We're not called to do anything to speak before thousands. We're called to go to one soul at a time. We're called to tell them the truth and to stand in the mighty power of God. And yet we see all these other exploits that are going on with buildings and budgets and businesses. And I'm not saying that it's all evil. I'm saying that we're called to be faithful with one soul, one witness, one testimony, and that is your life before God. That's all he asks us to do is to stand firm. And then he gives us everything to do it with, to stand firm in his victory of the cross because of the blood, to stand firm. Put on the belt of truth. Get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. We are not righteous because of our works, but because of his works. We believe that truth. We believe he took our curse. We believe he lived a perfect, sinless life. So we shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Why would you put it on your feet? It means your walk. You're going out to tell others. You learn the truth. You put on the breastplate of righteousness. You go in his power, in his victory. You tell others. And the enemy's going to attack. So therefore, you take up the shield of faith where you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil to quench all the fiery darts that he throws. You shouldn't share with them. You shouldn't be out here. Look what you just did. You're a sinner. He throws these darts. But by faith, they go out because of the righteousness that Christ has given us. And we can keep running. And we put on that salvation firmly, that deliverance that we have from the sin nature. And then we take up the sword of the Spirit and we go to war as we stand. 
take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What do you do then, Greg? You're praying. You're crying out to God. How? With all prayer in the Spirit and supplication for all the saints. It's a lot of work in the Spirit, not in the flesh. If you do it in the flesh, you will die. We're going to talk about that next week. If you live in the flesh, you will die. It's death culture. When you live in the flesh, you will die. But as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the children of God. But if you live in the flesh, you will die. You want to enjoy death culture? Live for your flesh. Live for this world. Listen, the, all that's in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. What happens when you pass away? Death culture and the lust of it. We're told in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. It's passing away. Our eyes are to be fixed firmly, preparing our ways before the Lord God. In the word prayer and fellowship, being led by the Spirit into all truth and telling others, oh yeah, you'll sin, you'll stumble, you'll fall. I'm not giving you permission. It's just going to happen because you're still carrying this stinking flesh around. But we are no longer in bondage to the flesh. No. We're slaves of righteousness. We're slaves to righteousness because he gives us a breastplate of righteousness. That's our new stand. That's our new heart. It protects your heart, that breastplate. Now, the rest of the Acts of Jotham, verse 7 of 27, 2 Chronicles, and all his wars and his ways, indeed, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. So Jotham rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Ahaz, his son, reigned in his place. Who will reign in your place when you're gone? Have you ever thought about that? What are your sons learning from you? What are people around you seeing from your witness? How will they reign? Who are you training to reign in your place? What do they see? Do they see faithfulness? Do they see the high places coming down? Do they see you walking in the sins of your father, contending with the Lord, contending with other people, striving with everything? What is the witness and testimony of your life in the spirit? Or is it in the flesh? If we walk according to the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Father, we give you praise. And we thank you for these testimonies. More importantly, Lord, we thank you for the testimony that you did not kill these people off. You put them in captivity. You let them be chastised, and you brought them back. After 70 years, you brought them back. Wow. Lord, wake us up at the heart of our Christian walk. Give us a desire to prepare our ways before you by the power of your Spirit, as we spend time in the word, prayer, and fellowship. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.